Coming to you live, but not really. It is all pump and no circumstance with Ryder Richards on LetUsThinkAboutIt.com, the amateur hour you should never tune into. Hello, this is Ryder Richards with Let Us Think About It. Uh, today we're talking with Zach Rutledge, and he has a book that talks a lot about how different ways of sort of combating depression and maybe dealing with mental health and wellness. And we're going to sort of talk through some things today and maybe give some practical aspects of what we can do to help or just to help ourselves out. I think maybe some uh, mental maps or something we can use. Uh, Zach, uh, do you want to walk us through a little bit? I know you've got a book out, but uh, what else do you got going on? Sure. So um, first writer, thank you so much for having me again. Um, so yeah, I have the book out. The book's called the official depression relief playbook. And that's kind of like the, the latest thing I've done before that. Um, uh, I guess we can start with my side job. I'm a personal trainer. I'm also a fitness nutrition specialist. Uh, I have a black belt in karate, which maybe we'll touch on that a little later. I did that throughout my teens. Um, I'm finishing up a yoga certification and, um, a weird one uh, is I'm a, I'm a, certified brain health coach through the Fun functional aging institute so, oh yeah, wow. that's a little unusual yeah, yeah yeah so yeah my day job was um video production but that actually all our studio got shut down because of covid <clears throat> so oh, man yeah and then but that gave me the time to write this book so kind of worked out <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> yeah well you use the time well right uh yeah. which is one of those kind of interesting things when something uh negative happens then how do you react yeah yeah well yeah because yeah, what else are you gonna do right right so um start yeah. a podcast <laughs> <laughs> there you go right there you go yeah um yeah and as of right now i'm, I'm i got into the program it's a it's a licensed professional counselor program so a therapist but that wouldn't start until January. Mm. Yeah, man. Um, so let's see. As this kind of playbook for depression, you know, or how to work through it. Let's uh, let's sort of maybe you can give us a little bit of background on sort of your battles and struggles with it, and how you got the sort of information um, to be able to sort of put together a roadmap or a playbook for us. Yeah, sure. So I had like a quote unquote normal childhood. There were no like capital T traumas going on. Um, looking back now that I have the insight, I could see that some things were probably chemically off because I would take things like breakups harder than most people. Just certain things would spike here and there. And I just assumed I was a moody punk rocker. I just thought that was it. So um, it wasn't until uh, it was the summer after uh, I graduated high school, my best friend was killed. And it was kind of the, the perfect storm where, you know, obviously that was a traumatic event, um, lifelong best friend. And then um, two weeks later, all of my friends were leaving for college. So that was tough because there's no real support system there. This is pre-social media. So we didn't even have that. Um, that on top of my karate school closed down. So that was tough there. And then... Um, there tends to be this, this pattern where in your late teens, early 20s, certain, we'll call them quirks, uh, pop up, like things like depression, OCD, things like that, mm -hmm. tend to kind of manifest around that age. So that was the deep drop right there. It was 18 years old. That was the, the very clear cliff, right? Um, now, as far as... Can I pause you for a second? Do you know what 
creates that? Like, what is the, I mean, is it moving through puberty that sets these things off? I don't know. Hmm. And I think it's still a mystery because I know like, as far as studies with adults, right? I'm still a firm believer and, and the therapists I've spoken with agree with me. There is no one cause of depression, mm -hmm. right? Just, and, and I say in the book, I've gone through different types of depression, which sounds weird and I call them flavors. Um, but it, it felt that way. It felt like almost there was a color to each one even, uh, or maybe one was like more anxious and one was more um, dysthymic. And dysthymia is like this low level depression where when you ever hit like a roadblock, then you really get sucked under and then you bounce back up to the still low level depression, right? So I went through all these like different flavors. Um, so there are, so, which brings me, I, I guess like the point of the book, right, was since there are all these different types and all these different flavors, I wanted to give actionable things people could do, and I would come at it from every single angle. So I spent 10 years learning these different tools and tricks, and um, I come at it from the nutrition angle, the fitness angle, I come at it from, I talk about my experience with medication, with therapists, uh, I come at it from, from everything. So just like a, a funny example of, like you were saying, like what causes this, um, there's a, it's very big right now, the, the, the mind and gut connection. Mm -hmm. And we actually create 90% of our serotonin in our gut. Right. Weird, right? Wild. So there yeah. are actually doctors right now prescribing probiotics for depression to get that mm -hmm. all sorted out. So I'll come at it from that angle as well. Um, some, you know, obviously you can have brain injuries, that, that can contribute to depression. Um, but you're not going to believe this one. Some people, it's dehydration. It's chronic dehydration. Um, there's a lot. Inflammation is another big one. So what I did was I came at it, like I said, from every angle. So no matter what it is that may be causing it, uh, we're treating all of it at once, right? But the thing is, you have to do the work. So um, that's why it's called a playbook, right? It's, this isn't something that... that this isn't one of those academic books and it's not something that is meant to read and then you feel good at the end. It's something where, okay, this is the plan and you got to do the work now. Yeah. 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 Which is, um, of course, you know, we're talking about you writing the book during COVID. Uh, I think when COVID hit, then of course uh, I had a lot of friends and even, you know, I went through a, a little phase as well that where things became everything just became infinitely more difficult sure and so i ended up looking around for some sort of best practices and some things to go through and you know i talked to some friends i started started going to therapy started meditating right and and trying to do as many things as i could just to equalize some things just to normalize yeah and of course in therapy i remember asking i was like i just need steps like just tell me what to do i will do it right yeah. um so whenever these kind of things happen, like, uh, I, I guess I understand as well, like being depressed, it's difficult to start taking the steps. Oh yeah. It's it very difficult sure. to start caring. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to put your finger on it. Like mm. because depression comes in so many different flavors, right? Sometimes it's just this feeling you have in your gut and you have the energy, but you're, you don't know what's going on. You don't have like the the wherewithal or the insight for, for a direction. Um, so there were different stages. Like when I first got clobbered, really is how it felt. I didn't have the, the energy to do anything, but there were other points when I had the energy, I just didn't know what I was battling. I was attributing it to grief or I was attributing it to other things. And it wasn't that true depression. 
So what does your schedule look like today? I mean, can you walk us through, like when you wake up in the morning, do you have a routine? Is it something oh, like that? Uh, am oh, I going too far? Sorry. No, you're not going too far, but but I'm going to go too far right now and I'll keep it short. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So, cause, because I'm the weird one apparently, but I like writing on paper. I like, I love like. <laughs> As you speak. Yes. Just got tons I, yes. of paper. Yeah. Right on, right on. So. Um, I, I actually have a list that I go through every single day. I have this list and I may not get to all of it. Right. But I, I'm not going to go through my entire day. Cause my days very, uh, my days are very odd because I, because of my work schedule, I have a very odd work schedule, but top of my list, right. I have water and I know I'm going to brush my teeth and drink this tall glass of water. Right. It's the first way I start. That's how I start every single morning. Right. But it's nice to have that written at the top and cross it off. Right. I feel like I got something done. It sounds silly. Right. But no, immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Immediately, I drink that water and I cross it out. And then I have, um, you know, I'll have a healthy breakfast and I'll have these supplements that I take. And I, and I do talk about supplements in the book um, with all the, you know, the caveats in there for, you know, personalization. Um, but, you know, I, I even just as like a, a reminder, you know, I, I want to take these three things in the morning with my healthy breakfast. Boom. Knock it out. And then it goes from there. I mean, but I have like, like you, I have a meditation practice. I try to squeeze that in. Um, which is actually one of the more difficult things, believe it or not, and squeezing in the five yeah. minutes to slow down. Um, and silly things. I mean, like, um, I play bass, and I'm like, I want to practice bass for, I want to pick up the bass at least once a day. And if I could play for five minutes, I count that as a win, cross it off. If I play for half an hour, that's a win, cross it off, right? So there's just certain things, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a, little, a little crazy, but I, but I actually really enjoy it. It's not something I have to do. It's something I want to do, so yeah. No, no. It, it is funny though, how we have to make ourselves do the things we know are healthy for ourselves. And then the healthier we get, the more we think we don't need to do them anymore. Right. Yeah. No, I'm fine. I'm good now. Right. <laughs> and Very common story with people coming off of their meds. Cause they're like, Oh, I feel good now. I'll st- I don't need the medication anymore. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then it comes back and zonks you. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, there, there's some, the thing you were talking about with crossing something off the list. I remember years ago, watching I don't pumping iron or something with Arnold Schwarzenegger and he was talking about writing down every set that he did and having a visual thing where he crossed it off every time he finished a set Mm. and there's a a visualization trick and it seems to work no matter what but to create a list and cross something off just the way we're wired it works not only do you feel good and feel productive but you trick yourself right it's it's kind of silly you know you're going to do it anyway but you still feel good about it. Absolutely, right? Absolutely. And then when you're going to bed and you have this list of all this stuff you crossed off, you know, that's a win. It feels that's good, a full right? day. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been trying to think of it that way too. I have roughly seven or eight things a day that I do. And this is sure. of course a, about a seven or eight month old practice now. But yeah, the I also have the glass of water and then somebody uh, on medium or something, they were like, you know, put some salt in it, some pink Himalayan salt uh, because, and then some lime juice, because apparently mm. that revives things that you lose overnight. And, and you can start getting into these hacks and sort of looking them up and they're like human hacks is like things that will make you feel good and feel better. And if you get these like three to four things done before you start your day, like you're already ahead. Right. And that's the right. way I kind of feel. I just cross them off the list and I just instantly feel better. But Right. And you're also bringing it into the real world as opposed to working off of your phone. You're bringing mm-hmm. it into like the physical world, having it here, you know, there's yeah. something, I think there's something to be said for that as well. 
you mentioned the, uh, it seems like you do a lot of physical things. You're not only a trainer, but you said black belt and karate and some other things like that. Uh, that's sort of mind body connection. I mean, do you think that plays into all this as well? Absolutely. So Ryder, I hope your listeners like stories. Cause I got another one for you. <laughs> bring it, so. bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, fit as a team, but that being fit was more like a, a byproduct of the karate. So I was very deep into karate and it was, fitness in itself wasn't something I pursued. So, um, in my, I guess a couple a year or so after, you know, my, my big drop off, I started playing in a band with these guys who really liked to work out, like to lift weights. So just for some quick context here, I, right now I'm five, nine and I'm 170 pounds. Okay. Which is Okay, whatever. Um, but, you know, it's not, but I, I, I work out six days a week because I have to. And, you know, so, okay, five, nine, 170 pounds. At the time, five, nine, 124 pounds. So Whoa. I was almost 50 pounds lighter. Yeah, 124 pounds on a five, nine guy. It doesn't look good. Um, and it didn't feel good. I was, yeah. I was getting sick a lot. And if I had gotten seriously sick, there was nowhere for me to go. So these guys, and I just wasn't thinking of it at the time, you know, I just wasn't, just wasn't on my radar. And these guys were like, hey, you should start lifting weights with us. So seeing myself go from 124 to like 135, it felt like overnight to 145. And then seeing this muscle building on me, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like I can, I, I have control over something here and I can move something in a positive direction. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's actually kind of cool. Plus, on top of it, I was having fun. Like, I was learning new things. I was, I was brand new into lifting weights. I had this new hobby I was getting really into. So that, that everything really about the physical aspect, right? I mean, um, people usually attribute it to the, um, um, what do they say, the endorphin rush. Well, the endorphins actually don't get into your brain because they, they, they can't cross the, they're too big to cross the, the blood-brain barrier. Oh, um, huh. but, but you have other things going on like the serotonin and, and the norepinephrine and you have, um, you, myokines, your, your muscles actually, when you, when you contract them, they excrete myokines. So you're getting all these other really great benefits. You have this cognitive boost at the end of your workout. So even that temporary boost at the end felt great as well. Right. That, that yeah. after workout high, but, um, but the physical stuff was, I would say that that was the launching pad for everything else. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, it's it, the physical thing is kind of interesting because uh, I was just listening to a podcast today on materialism, and it talks a lot about how we have basically sort of and, and they're going off into Marxism and anarchism and all these kind of things. But one of the things they talk about is kind of a lack of spirituality on the left mm -hmm. and how people can by doing something physical, you engage in a type of spirituality and how that mind-body connection is missing and the tendency to get into the ecstatic is missing. Mm -hmm. And I found that to sort of be interesting because I just don't think of it in those terms. Mm -hmm. I don't think of the mind-body connection as something spiritual. I don't think of it very much as ecstatic. Yeah. Um, it does seem to be more routinized for me. And, and so, and I think part of that is from staying so um, fixed during the pandemic, not moving around very much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you, uh, have you ever taken a yoga class? Uh, years ago, years ago. Um, yeah. yeah um, so you've been doing that too and teaching it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's funny and I'm, I'm not trying to turn that, you know, into a, 
like a thing about me. You know, I'm not trying to no, talk about no, me. No, no, yeah. But like, it's, you know, as far as like bringing in the spirituality and all that, it didn't happen to me until I started getting seriously into yoga. And now mm. I can see it, right? But, um, it, and I should mention this while I'm, while I'm thinking of it, uh, because a lot of times people will say to me, you know, what's something I should do for somebody that I love who has depression, right? What's, what's something I should do? Um, <clears throat> my first piece of advice is ask them to come to a yoga class with you and say, hey, I'm nervous to go here on my own. Would you mind coming with me? Because what that's going to do is that's going to say to them, they're going to be like, oh, I did somebody a favor. Uh, so they'll feel good about that. And when they get into that yoga school, you're going to have the physical, you're going to have the mental, you're going to have the spiritual, you're going to be, you're going to have the whole social aspect and you don't have a whole lot of jerks and bullies in yoga classes, right? So you're going to have a lot of nice people typically in this, yeah. in this studio. Um, so just wanted to, and they're learning something new, kind of like I was learning how to lift weights, right? And when you, when you get into that, it can be a real eye opener. Um, so if anyone, if anyone, um, if anyone you love has depression, that's a good good first step that's that's the first one i usually give out yeah yeah that sounds great i mean it, it does sound like a nice way to spend time with somebody as well yeah 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 oh there's a second question oh i just oh, glitched I on it <laughs> no no uh it's good um this happens quite a bit to me <laughs> start thinking <laughs> about something too much and it uh, skips uh tracks on the record um but oh right the this was one of the things is so doing yoga, doing physical fitness. And we're talking about mind body connection and of course, bringing other people into your practice. But it also seems like, of course, you're writing a book and you're staying busy. And so this kind of, um, I guess, a type of production or finding ways to like uh, set goals in front of yourself. Is that part of your schedule as well? Is that part of how you orient your life? Or do you sort of let things flow in as they show up? Um, well, with my career, so it's tough because I, I always have something on the schedule and I, and I wasn't going to bring this up, but I'm actually shooting a movie in a month and a half. So there's always something that's kind of popping up. Now, I, I don't know if, if this is necessarily intertwined now because I don't consider myself a depressed person right now. However, this is also worth mentioning. Um, so in my, when I was after my, my big drop off and I was trying to you know, get myself to feel better, you know, I felt like <clears throat> behind my friends because my friends all went off to college and I, I tried and I, I couldn't do it. I could barely get out of bed, so I didn't graduate college. I dropped out. So I was like, well, maybe once I graduate college, then I'll feel better. So, and then I realized um, I was on track to get um, like honors, like some kind of you know, cum laude, whatever that stuff's called, right? And I was like, oh, maybe if I, if I get that, you know, then I'll feel good. So I did that and then it wasn't quite it. And I was like, oh, well, maybe if I become a personal trainer, maybe if I do this, maybe if I do this, right? And the thing is I had all, my arrow was all external stuff, like these goals and goals. And like, I could have racked up a million things. It wouldn't have mattered, right? It's like people who like buying things. They can buy the most expensive Lamborghini out there. It's not gonna, they have to turn the arrow the other way around. That's another important thing when it comes to people with depression. And <clears throat> Pardon me, I have a kitten sitting on my foot right now. Um, <laughs> hey, baby. Um, <laughs> that can't keep you happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? And now he's playing with my foot. Um, yeah, so um, 
it's real easy to, to get caught up in that. And, I'm, and we know of this about the CEOs who feel like they need to conquer the world, right? And they're miserable, right? You've got to turn that arrow, turn that arrow around. And it may seem a little um, self-absorbed to some people, but uh, this wraps into my, I guess my next point is, you know, people are going to make judgments about you and they're going to say stupid things. Um, the worst thing people said to me, one of the worst things people said to me was, oh, it could be worse. And when you're at your bottom, I understand what they're saying now, right? They're trying to say, practice gratitude. I guess that's, that's what they were trying to get at, right? But what I wanted them to say was, it can be better, right? Or they're going to say stupid things like, oh, shake out of it, or, or man up. That was, a, that was a great one, right? Man up, yeah. right? Yeah, um, I love that toxic masculinity right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like man, man up and... Um, you know, just, just get over it, right? But here's the thing. Uh, we have to practice forgiveness, not just for ourselves. You know, we're going to be taking time for ourselves, and maybe that seems a little selfish, but we have to practice that forgiveness um, for other people as well because they don't understand because they can't understand. If they haven't lived through it, they can't understand it. So we have to practice that forgiveness, and that'll feel like a little bit of a weight off your shoulders. It's not everything but you'll be able to breathe a little easier. Yeah. Yeah. The forgiveness one and gratitude is at least when I have been in my lowest levels, it is really one of the hardest ones to spend time on. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. Actually ended up moving into that through meditation. And, and that was kind of a fascinating thing is I, it's almost like I got tricked into it. <laughs> I was <laughs> meditating on other things and somewhere along the way, there's this idea that we're all just humans and that we can forgive our friends very easily, but not ourselves. Oh. And then if you can also just forgive that other person, because they're also just a scared child, just the way you are. Right. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden it was like, Oh man, I've been being a jerk. Yeah. Right. And, and also forgiving yourself for that and then forgiving this other person. And it is interesting how such a weight is taken off in those moments. And you didn't even realize that you were holding on to, to all this that was weighing you down so much. And there's a, a kind of lightness, at least when it happened to me. Yeah. And, and you're not going to, yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but you wouldn't have gained that by, you know, notching that next goal off, right. Or that next, victory yes. or something like that and there's absolutely a place for that um so for instance i went to i went to uh film school i went to grad school to for film and um it wasn't the degree that made me like celebrate it wasn't like once i got it i feel great but what it was was the work that it took the person that i had to become in order to do that so that was like, in a way, an inward thing, right? Because it was the person I had to become and I had to grow in a certain way in order to accomplish this. So these external, you know, letters after your name and all that kind of stuff, you know, just be careful, you know, when you're, when you're going for that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 There's people talk a lot about, I mean, it's a sort of Joseph Campbell thing, right? Follow your sure. bliss. And there's something interesting about finding that I, I've, bumped into people that talk about finding your purpose or finding your goal and, and these kind of things. And uh, in some moments I get really cynical about it and I'm just like, Oh, whatever, that's just new age stuff. Right. But there's another kind of level where occasionally you can tap into something and you watch everything else just sync up perfectly. Yeah. And so I think we're looking for those moments in a lot of ways. And 
finding them is difficult and there has to be something about the doing to get there. Yeah. Uh, it's at least something I've been thinking about lately is at least taking some motions or some active steps to find that space. Yeah. So that's why I think why I keep getting back to these ideas about like, how do you structure your day, you mm -hmm. know, to sort of find these moments. Sure. Sure. Well, luckily, you know, oh, geez. sorry, I have a kitten playing with a, a power cord right now. Um, <laughs> I so apologize. Um, it's a fun problem. Uh, yeah. So luckily, you know, a lot of my better habits are actually built into my job. Right. So like the working out and even the meditation stuff that's built into my job. So I'm like, uh, it, that's not lost on me because before, I, I know what it's like where you have to make that extra time in order to do it. But I, you know, I do hope people who make that extra time, right? And I write about this in the book, you know, the meditation thing, that was by far the thing that I got the most like pushback on. Um, Cause people are like, oh, well, I just can't meditate. I just can't meditate. It's like, well, I mean, you couldn't, you know, snowboard when you first did that, you know, pick a, pick a whatever, right? And people need to get used to this idea of their mind goes off, pull it back. Their mind goes off, pull it back. And the pulling it back, that's the meditation. As long as you're pulling it back, that's the exercise. You get credit for that day. Like pull, just pull it back, pull it back. And eventually the practice is going to shift and change. Um, but if you start off like that, great. That's a win, guys. Yeah, I, I, man, you ask me these questions, and then I go off on these like weird tangents. I end up I'm no, nowhere. no, that's a that's a great one. That's a great one because I, I read something the other day. I, I did a couple episodes with a friend of mine on William James, and he was a 1800s, early 1900s uh, philosopher and psychologist. He's really one of the first sort of famous American psychologists. And one of his things was he goes, "There's no such thing as attention span. It's constantly." focusing your attention over and over again repeatedly and then we call that attention span but your brain is always drifting it's always moving right and and so he was sort of bringing this up you know over 100 years ago and this is seems to be a known fact i'm, I'm pretty sure if you went into like eastern religions they knew this a long long time ago yeah and this idea that anyone can do anything at once and uh i remember trying to start out and even five minutes was too much sure and, and this is, it's a skill and it's a practice. And it's really interesting because you're like, okay, you don't have to do anything for five minutes. You don't have to do anything for 10 minutes. And it drives you bonkers. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, people, if you go to a college campus, people don't even want to be alone with their thoughts on a walk. They're, they're texting the whole way. They're walking from one building to the next. So it's, it's, I can understand it's a challenge. It's a real challenge. Yeah. And that's, um, so there's, there's these sort of things that we can do, right? So, you know, I'm assuming there's things like walking and meditating and, and kind of, you know, taking the right kind of health, uh, health steps and things like that, and then start sort of packaging all those up. And what do you, I mean, what does that feel like? What is, is there a level where you over maximize or you over optimize these kind of things, or is that even possible? Um, it's possible if you have OCD, right? So like, I know somebody who they have a list like we do, but instead of having seven or eight things on there, she has a list of like 40 something things. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Uh, and she has to go through it every morning. And at that point, I would argue that it's not helping her. Right. She, 
yeah, she thinks doing these X amount of uh, push-ups in the morning and plus this, plus this, plus this, I think that's actually uh, a hindrance in her life, right? Uh, but that's a little different. Um, as far as like reaching a, a like a level of, I, I don't know how to word it. Like there were no like clear finish lines for me. Like everything felt like very incremental, building brick by brick by brick. And I had like little epiphanets, right? Like these small epiphanies, but nothing, I didn't have like, there, there is no one silver bullet. Like we were saying before, just like there's no one cause, there is no one quote unquote cure. Um, a good example is I have a friend who has depression and anxiety and it was, his anxiety was really out of control, some really wild things. And I, I convinced him to start taking medication because I understand medication can be scary. And I do have a, a chapter in the book about that as well. Um, so I convinced him to start taking the medication. He felt a lot better and he called me, you know, he would still call me with these issues. And he's like, well, why aren't I better? And I was like, well, even medication isn't the silver bullet, man. You still have to do the work, right? Mm -hmm. Which is why I, I made the book so actionable. Like it's got to, you still have to do the work. You, you, can't, you can't count on any one thing to be like, oh, that's the line I have to cross. Yeah. Yeah. So this kind of workbook notion is it, it sort of helps people set up, um, I guess, sort of step-by-step step how they should be thinking of these things and, and hopefully, I guess the idea would be when you encounter one of these situations, then you can refer back to the book and sort of move forward with it. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I want it to be something that people can leave on their bedstand that they can go back to, right? Because it's, there are plenty of things in there that you can do. Um, and some will slip your mind and it'll be too overwhelming if you try to do all of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely the kind of thing I want people to have uh, next to their bed. I also... Um, I, I joke that I wrote the book for the worst possible sales because I'm writing for people who aren't going to reach out for help, right? Like <laughs> they're, they're so down low. They're not going to buy a book on this kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. so in a way I wrote it to be like as a gift, right? I wanted mm -hmm. it to be the kind of thing that somebody can give to someone they love and say, Hey, you know, uh, it's small, it's short. It's because the last thing I wanted to do when I was super depressed was to go through 350 pages to pull a few ideas out of it. So it's, it's much shorter it's much more actionable, like, like I've been saying. Um, but, but I feel like, um, you know, we're still kind of, it's still icky to talk about, you know, like it's, mm -hmm. it, I want people to buy it as a gift. And I think they, I think anyone who receives it would be really appreciative, but it's icky, especially for men, right. Talking about that kind of thing, you know, like here, bro, here's this book on depression that could feel weird, you know? Yeah, it, it can. And it's, um, fascinating for me getting into therapy to also just sort of find some of these things showing mm. up some mm. of the masculine issues that I had thought that I was past right mm -hmm. and I was remembering at some point it's it's like I have to keep relearning the same lessons over and over again mm -hmm. and that shows that they're hardwired pretty deep you know um and I remember this kind of circles around to one of the earlier things we were talking about, but even taking these kind of actionable steps, there becomes a kind of a security or a comfort within that routine, that sort of OCD routine. Sure. And I was really quite anxious whenever uh, me and my wife got vaccinated and all of a sudden it's sort of like, okay, you can go participate in the world again, mm. you know, with the, safely, of course, but yeah, you can go participate. 
And I became very nervous that this routine would collapse and my mental health would collapse along with it. Sure. And so there becomes these kind of um, this sort of need for some sort of camaraderie or something like that. So I love the idea of even having the book as a way to create a friendship or Mm. to um, sort of further that discussion because without being able to discuss those things, once again, you end up going out in public and putting on that mask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with you completely. I do think things are shifting. I do think, you know, because of the internet and people like you, you know, having people like me on, things are, things are getting a little better, right? Um, but it's still, you know, there's, there's it's deep stuff, like you said. It's, it's just part of our culture. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very hardwired in. Um, and this is, this is, I guess, something else. When we're talking about culture, I want to just bring up like social things um, and mostly media and news, not necessarily. I think time with friends, most of us can agree that that's a positive. Uh, so do you limit your diet of media? Okay. Another quick story, and I apologize. No, Very no, it's good. Story. All right. I asked. Bring it. So, so when I realized I, I needed to climb myself out of this, this deep hole I was in, um, I said, man, my mind is just all over the place. I wasn't really sleeping. I wasn't really awake. It was this big you know, mess for a few months. And I was like, I need to focus my mind on something. I need to focus for a half hour. So I was like, I'm going to watch TV. And it sounds like a joke now, right? I was like, I'm going to watch TV for a half hour and I'm going to focus and I'm going to get through it. And that's going to be my first step in building myself back up. And what did I do? Made the worst decision possible. I started watching the news. So I, and I quickly learned, luckily, I don't need to know about all the murders going on in the tri-state area. You know, like I, in my mind, I was thinking like, yeah, you know, smart I shouldn't people. be laughing, but that's, yeah, that's yeah, just yeah. so dark. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And I, but it's true. I mean, and, and you know, I, I just assumed smart people and informed people watch the news. This is, you know, I should be watching the news. Uh, if it's important, I'll find out. And, you know, I consume some news here and there for sure. Uh, but I'm not like, I love my parents. I'm not like my parents where they have, you know, whatever news channel on however many you know, they, they watch like the big, um, you know, like the, the CBS, ABC, NBC, like they'll have that, that whatever that is on like every single night, but they'll, you know, do the extra hours of it. Like they are, they're, they're addicted to it. Right. Cause yeah. there is a part of that, that um, for some reason we crave that negativity or it's, it's really attention grabbing. I don't know what it is. It's not doing mm-hmm. us any favors when there's plenty of other great stuff out there. Right. There's plenty of great books. There's plenty of great podcasts. I, I'm, I'm a huge believer in like kind of um, shifting your environment to serve you. Um, a great example of that is like these um, like pro athletes. I, I, I forget which team this was, but there were, there were these players who they would leave this professional basketball team and they would become overweight, <clears throat> you know, like the next year. They were just overweight, totally out of shape. They couldn't play. There's no way they could come back to pro ball. And they would say like, well, aren't you like this high end, elite athlete like what's going on here and they were like well the structure the the whole system was set up for the game and for our bodies and for and once you're out of that system then it's really hard to keep up right so i like building a system around me to keep everything going in the direction i want to go in and i don't let these winds kind of blow me around which is kind of the way i see the news in a lot of ways 
you know, it's, it's just that reaction where I don't have power over most of it. Right, right. I mean, that is, it, it's always interesting to sort of combat that. Um, it's wanting to be informed as if like, you know, the weather's coming in and you might need to like shelter in place or something, right? And, right. and we kind of think about that with all things news related is yeah. like, it's, it seems like somehow being aware is going to protect you from something. Yeah. But you got to start wondering when it goes the opposite direction. You know, yeah. uh, it's not actually protecting you. It's just hurting you because whatever. Um, yeah, it's, it's become a fascinating aspect of our culture that I think we're just not evolutionarily um, programmed yet to really handle very well. Uh, it, it is really hacking the human attention span in so many sure. ways. And, uh, you know, so what is the pushback? And it seems to be some version of willpower. And I'm just like, oh, willpower collapses all the time. So yeah, I like the idea of structure instead. Yeah. You know, let's put ourselves into a structure where we don't have to depend on our willpower. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a firm believer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Zach, what else do you have for us? Kind of parting thoughts. Um, so I will, I will leave you guys with this, like the, the listeners. Um, if anybody wants a chapter of my book, shoot me an email and I'll send it to you because I have this whole chapter on mindset and that can be like the weirdest to talk about. Right. Cause I, I like talking about like actionable things and like clear, like I'm taking this pill or I'm doing this workout, you know, that kind of stuff. Right. I'm eating this particular food. Um, but the mindset stuff can get a little, uh, just harder to talk about. Um, so if anybody wants that chapter, shoot me an email and I'll send it to them. They can see if like, this is kind of their, uh, their cup of tea. I'm, I'm more than happy to send it to them. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Thank you very much. So yeah, we'll definitely end up linking to that into the show notes. And then, um, and of course, if anybody needs any more information, then uh, you can contact us through the website, but yeah, uh, we'll also be linking to Zach's book. So if you're interested in picking up the playbook, then I think this would be an easy way to do it. <laughs> Zach, thank you very much for your time. And uh, thank you for coming on the show. No, thank you so much, Ryder. It's, it's a real honor. Seriously, thank you. All right. Thank you very much for sticking with us on that. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and maybe picked up a little bit. The book is the official depression relief playbook. Real Life Strategies from a Guy Who Has Lived It by Zach S. Rutledge. Of course, you can get this on Amazon. There should be a link on the website for it. And now, you all know the drill. Please rate, review, share, I don't know, maybe get a membership. Why not? All right. Until next time, stay safe. Thank you.